The following podcast is presented by Together Washington. Together Washington, we are seeking to build bridges across divides and tell the inspiring stories of those building the common good. If you'd like to support or get involved with Together Washington, go to togetherwashington.com. We've got a great program for you. I'm very excited to have my friend Sharon Miracle. She is the president and CEO of the Yakima Valley Community Foundation, doing incredible work in the Yakima Valley. And I've had the privilege of getting to know Sharon uh, the past uh, couple years as we've been working on a, a special project uh, that we'll maybe talk about here in a few minutes. But Sharon, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah. Hey, Tim. So great to be here with you on a lovely Friday afternoon. Appreciate you inviting me. Yeah, absolutely. And I tell you, it's been it's so much fun to learn about the Yakima Valley Community Foundation and all the very cool things you guys are doing. Maybe for our listeners, just take a minute and, and tell them what is the Yakima Valley Community Foundation? Yeah, so uh, a community foundation actually is um, put together to bring together resources and, and to grow those resources to benefit a geographic location. And the location that we serve is primarily the Yakima Valley, but um, in the last couple of years, because of the pandemic, we reached uh, much further into uh, rural communities like ours across Washington State. And so we, we now serve um, central Washington as kind of our geographic location of service. And when I said we bring together resources, um, one of our primary roles as a community foundation is we work on solving complex um, issues within our community. So that takes more than resources, uh, financial resources. It takes people with great ideas who are working collaboratively together. So that's a real significant role that we play here. Yeah. Give, give us some examples of what what the foundation uh, and, and maybe the ways that you are very passionate about the ways that this plays out in the community. What Give us some practical examples of what the foundation's doing. Sure. So, you know, our primary focus is um, creating equity in education, in health, and then um, creating greater community engagement. And we, we really focus on the populations of folks in our communities who have been historically left out or left behind, underrepresented. And um, for those of you who don't know about the Yakima Valley and, and probably many um, communities in in uh, rural Washington, we are an agricultural-based community, and as a result of that, we have a um, very large percentage of folks who have migrated here over time. We've, about 25% of our uh, residents actually have Spanish as their first language, and so language can become a, a barrier for some in accessing different services in education and health, um, but also essential workforce that is been significantly under-resourced, and um, so we really focus our efforts on a lot of those folks and the programs that serve them, and including our tribal population. The Yakima Reservation is about a 1.3 million uh, Indian reservation here in our community and, and is home to many, many residents. So that's where we focus our efforts, and I'll give you an example. We work to build um, really um, deep and lasting relationships in community. We... Um, so we have, like, for example, an Investing in Children Coalition. It's um, Yakima County, Kittitas County, and that coalition has more than 30 partner agencies who serve young children and daycare workers across um, those two county regions. 
And uh, we have a bilingual coordinator that actually goes out and talks to daycare workers um, and says, you know, what is what do you need to better serve young children and deliver education? What resources do you need? And here's a small example. Here we are struggling to put people back to work, but they can't find affordable daycare. And we know that um, across the nation, daycare uh, workers in general are not well paid and they're really struggling to make ends meet. So a lot of them have closed. It's super important that we have affordable daycare. Washington State's recognized that. They've done some great work there. But when we went out and asked people like boots on the ground in our community, what does the daycare, um, the person who owns that daycare, that business, what do you need? And they were doing all of their paperwork and billing either by hand or on a cell phone, really antiquated. And they said, we can't even do the basic training now that's required by the state for our licensing. We don't have any way to do that. We don't have a working computer or a printer. And so we went out and got grant money and um, we bought 45 computers and printers and provided each one of them a, wow. um, who asked for that. And we did training in um, both Spanish and English so for those folks to get um, up to speed technologies to re- reduce the burden on them. So basically they can spend time with the children that we want to improve their education with, their early childhood education. Yeah, absolutely incredible. Yeah. I mean, how did you get to be in this role? I mean, and, and why? Why why was this a role that that just stirred you and, and brought you in? Talk talk to us about that. Do you mean me personally or our organization? Yeah, yeah, you personally. What what brought you to this role? Why why did you want to take this role on? Oh, uh, well, it was it actually was easy. I have. Um, Lived in central Washington. I grew up in the Tri-Cities area and moved away for several years. Uh, moved back, gosh, 2007, I believe. And, um, and, I, and I, you know, worked here in private sector for a while. But um, I've always been a super active volunteer in the community, you know, chaired many boards and tried to make a difference where I could. And prior to moving back here, I was a healthcare executive in the Rocky Mountain states where I worked on community health assessments. I did marketing communications, but really, really looked at, um, you saw these big gaping holes where big portions of your community just weren't being served adequately. And education is a huge barrier in that. So I had some understanding of how a lack of education um, also equates to poorer health, uh, poorer economic status, on and on and on. And when this role became available, um, I had Hunter reached out, and I was in a I was in a corporate job at the time, which was a great a great job um, that I thought, oh, this is nice, I'll be okay here. But what it was missing was the actual the heart work, uh, which is why I was doing so much volunteer work outside of it. And I I really wanted to to uh, you know you know I'm getting to the age where I wanted to end my career on a note where I knew I'd done something positive in my community. Um, try to make this place a better place for me to live and my family and, and uh, that I wouldn't just feel like, Hey, I retired and don't let the door hit in the butt on the way out the door. So <laughs> this is definitely <laughs> it. Um, and that mission work that we do, um, I just get to touch so many facets, but it's, it's um, complicated work. You know, it's, you have to know a little bit about, a, about a lot of different subjects and, um, and that's really fun and it's really rewarding. And I've met hundreds and hundreds of incredible people, not just in our valley, but all across the region, CEOs and other community foundations across our state and, and um, 
other philanthropic organizations just doing incredible work. So mm. I love it. It's a, it's super rewarding. Yeah, that's very cool. We're talking to Sharon Miracle. She's the president and CEO of the Yakima Valley Community Foundation. And one of the things that I've heard the last couple of years, and, you know, we've had, uh, you know, this COVID pandemic and, and a lot of folks, I, I'm in Seattle, but we've, I've had friends and, and I've heard of other numerous folks who are during this time, they've, they've said, Hey, I've got more flexibility and, and, and I can, I'd like to maybe um, transition into a, a new location. And so people are moving, you know, out of, kind of the the central Puget Sound area and moving more into places like Yakima Valley, Spokane Valley. And, and, and they are, I've heard this a number of times of just the, the thrill um, that, that people are having when they realize how incredible communities like the Yakima Valley is and, and just the, the community. And, and it's almost like in a lot of ways, the Yakima Valley is this kind of, almost hidden gem in a way, right? I mean, it has a lot of the, the kind of the foundation or the bones that say, um, you know, an, another area would have, but it, it's almost that has this, this hidden gem nature to it. And, and maybe, maybe you guys don't want to talk about it too much because you want to keep it for yourselves. I don't know, but tell, tell us what, what makes the Yakima Valley so, so unique and special. Hmm. Well, I always say it's the sense of community and that, you know, that sounds cheesy and there are lots of folks who go, Oh no, that's what I love. It's that small town vibe. It's not actually the small town vibe. Um, it really is um, like folks who live here care deeply about, and I would say the land, um, you know, our complete reliance on the land, the water, the beautiful days of sunshine and, and all that's here. Um, Without that, you know, we either have fisheries or forestry or, you know, farming and egg and, and tree fruit industries and grapes and all of those things. And if we if we weren't super reliant on that collectively together, we may not have that same common thread. But um, like but you're super close to this sounds weird, but because everybody's close to dirt, but the dirt where um, you work in a community where every day you you know that that product, that beer you're drinking, that glass of wine, if it is, or that food you're eating, that probably came from here or, or nearby, or we might even know the person that touched that, whose farm that's on. And so we just have this collective sense that we need to kind of care for each other, I think. So if you are someone of, let's say, if you're someone of privilege in this community, what you'll see many, many, many times is them stepping forward to say, I, I you know, I'm, I'm here because of these things and because of these people. Um, now what can I do? Um, and so they're great about coming together and solving, not just solving issues, but doing cool stuff that you don't see in a lot of communities our size. For example, um, you know, 60 miles down the road, a community similar in size, place where I grew up, um, they don't have a giant, beautiful, historical capital theater. You know, when, when you get... Uh, off-Broadway shows doing their first run of show here, and you're thinking, in Yakima? Are you kidding? Mm-hmm. And people from all over the state come, or they might come to see the symphony orchestra comprised of musicians from all over the state. Um, or we have a like a town hall, t- town hall talk series where we bring in incredible speakers, national and international speakers, and pack a, pack a stage. Um, you have that, and then you might, you know, next week would be 
Beer Week, where we host the what fourth largest um, beer and hop festival in the world. Uh, you know, mm. just some cool stuff, incredible yeah. wineries. Where, you know, it's just it's fun. So if people come right. here and they try to enjoy it from a tourist standpoint, and then you realize, do you know how nice it is to live here? I get off work and I can just go downtown to a great restaurant and you know have locally grown and prepared foods. It's amazing. Yeah, and well, don't forget miners, Sharon. <laughs> the famous drive-in. Yes, I agree. <laughs> I, I still have friends from all across the state. They have to, you know, if they're coming home from the beach, heading back to, you know, the west side, they're always like, "Oh gosh, I've got to stop at miners and have a big burger." So yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sharon, when you think about the next year or two and and the work that you're doing, what are some things that you're you're excited about? You know, coming out of of COVID here and the optimism that is there. And of course, you know, you're working with folks and just the, the challenges that exist, but what are those? Tell, talk to us about a few things you're, you're hopeful for with the work you're doing the next couple of years. Well, you know, um, one of the silver linings out of the pandemic for, I think a lot of nonprofits um, and community foundations is that it was a wake up call for folks across the nation, realizing how essential uh, the nonprofit sector is to supporting their community, you know, from food banks to rental assistance to mental health services. Um, so, you know, there was a significant increase in uh, philanthropic support. In fact, you know, I just heard the statistics today that, you know, online giving was up 30% last year. Um, pretty incredible. So we got this big boost and, and CARES money certainly helped float a lot of these things as well. And helped us feed people during a really critical time where folks were out of work and in need. But now you've got organizations like how do we, I would call it right size again, or or keep that capacity level up um, to where and, and adapt it to our community needs. So we're being very strategic about um, how we do some training with nonprofits um, and how we're working in community to build additional resource, resources and grants. And giving our local nonprofits the training to figure out how to financially secure um, their future, a sustainable future, instead of just having to scrape by all the time. Um, so that's, that's been really, really exciting to kind of be working on that plan and get that, get that going. So, yeah, that's, that's just one of the things. There's, there's many, many, many things moving forward. Yeah. Now, how does the foundation work? Are you, are you a, is it a donor advised fund or, or how, how does, how does your model work? Yeah, um, lots of community foundations operate similar. They just have different scales and uh, capabilities based on the, the financial resources that they do have. We were Washington State's uh, very first healthcare conversion foundation, which means we had a, a cell of a hospital locally that was a um, charitable hospital, uh, Sisters of Providence, and they sold to a for-profit entity. And our community got together and said, yeah, you know, it's, this hospital has been here 100 years, and we've put a lot of time and energy and money into it, including a foundation. That can't leave with the for-profit entity when it decides to sell again. So they petitioned Department of Health, and they actually set up a fund that created our foundation. So we had a corpus to begin with in 2003 of $10 million, and then they added from the sale of that hospital a million dollars a year for the next 10 years. So we started off with a a great position, you know, an, an envious position of $20 million that we invest and um, 
we reinvest back in community, both proceeds and actual um, grants off of that, but it covers our operating expenses. We also have, we manage funds for many other agencies. Um, we have about 114 different funds that we manage for other nonprofits and for other donors, for uh, charitable remainder trust, those types of things. So we also are almost like a little mini investment firm that we do at an extremely reduced fee and and we pull those resources together with our own so we can get um, great investment money managers and um, very low fees. We're talking to Sharon Miracle, the president and CEO of the Yakima Valley Community Foundation. And um, Sharon, one of the things we'd love to get your your thoughts and insights on you. Know, we've been working together um, on a, a summit that's coming up on April 29th in, in Yakima, well, the, the Common Good Summit. And, you know, I, I talk a little every once in a while about Together Washington, the work that's going on across the state. And Sharon has been an uh, incredible, significant part of uh, bringing together uh, leaders, community members in the Yakima Valley to build bridges across divides. And uh, Sharon, you know, talk a little bit about just your your heart for this. I mean, this is this is something that you're passionate about. Um, g- give us um you know, just share a little bit about why you're excited about the opportunity and building these these bridges, and also, you know, what you um, what are some of the I guess the challenges in the Yakima Valley, but also what are the hopes that you have? Yeah, well, Tim, I was um, I was very thrilled that you invited me to join our local uh, advisory group on on putting together a summit here in, in our valley. Um, together Washington to me represents a chance for greater civic engagement. And I don't mean voters, I mean people to get involved in their community to solve issues. And it's challenging when you've got so many competing interests and people who might have completely polar opposite viewpoints. You know, we saw that, um, we've seen those, those big divides uh, across the nation, but also even closer in communities and how it's really interfered with some progress. Instead, we get stuck on the either, not just the politics, but, you know, different approaches to different things. But we all live in the same community. We all have to share these resources. We've got to figure out solutions. And they're not going away just because um, there's not, quote, one right way to do that. So I love the opportunity to bring people together to learn about, um, you know, we call them pairings that we've put together for this summit where we've got folks who have come from different political sides or different sides of um, the picture, like on water issues or environmental issues, to explain how they actually found common ground through building a relationship uh, that took some time, but, you know, through respect and dialogue and breaking bread together, they came up with some really great solutions that then work for the community for the betterment of that or work for the state. And we're really hoping that the summit, I'm hoping, um, I'm not just hopeful, I know it's going to work, that we're going to have exactly that. We're going to have these ahas where, wait a minute, gosh, we've been really polarized in thinking about, I'll give you an example, how to deal with homelessness in our community. You know, there's so many different approaches to that, and there's some folks just staunchly on one side and, and, and or the other, but how can we do that together? Because if we don't come together, the situation is going to continue to get worse and worse and worse. So, yeah. you know, I, I can't wait for us to have great dialogue to figure out how to solve these things. 
Yeah, absolutely. And what are those specifically on, on homelessness there in, in Yakima, I guess, what are those challenges, you know, in Seattle this past week, it was interesting because uh, there was a, an encampment across the street from city hall. And, and so the, you know, the new mayor um, ended up, you know, they, they provided weeks of outreach and offering services, but it, it ended up being a, a pretty uh, explosive issue this past week, um, even though the you know the Harold administration was was really trying to kind of go above and beyond to you know in, you know, help in this situation. But you know, and I'm sure you know maybe they made some mistakes along the way. I, I don't fully know, but um, it just exploded into a pretty big deal and. How, what are you seeing in, in Yakima around that particular issue, the challenges? And then, you know, I, and I know you don't necessarily, that's not maybe yeah. what you're involved with day in and day out, but as a community leader, I'm sure you're sure. Um, engaged at some level. Yeah. Well, we do belong to the Yakima um homeless network. And one of my employees, in fact, they, they meet every single Friday and, and participates in that just to hear what's going on. We certainly aren't experts, but I will tell you, just like all the communities that I know um, who are struggling with this, it's really contentious because you've got, you know, uh, a perspective that, you know, when you have homeless uh, people and they're on your streets and, and there's, there's litter as a result of that, that it impacts local businesses and livelihood with tourism and those types of things. And we saw this rub come to light in our community well, well before the pandemic where uh, it was daily in the newspapers between local business owners downtown saying, that's not okay. You're not going to put homeless services close to our downtown corridors because it attracts people to come there, you know, take it somewhere else. And we kind of keep kicking it down the road. Like we need, we obviously need affordable housing, like most communities. We also have been booming and, but nobody wants that level of affordable housing in their neighborhood. So how do you, how do you figure those things out together? Um, it is our collective problem. Um, and it is, it can be a problem. You know, there's lots of root causes to homelessness. Um, and so we're trying to look at those issues as well. So I don't think it's a matter of that. Um, what I, what I hope happens is that, um, you know, we want people to be treated with dignity and respect, but we also want contributing members of our society and a community that's safe and clean and, and prosperous and that we have treatment care for folks who need it and we have affordable housing folks um, for folks who need it. So how do we come about having those conversations where we don't have to just get locked into doing it one way or the other? So that's what I'm hoping we come to. And so far, um, some models work really well and have been. But it's like an experiment right now across the nation where people are like, let's try this and let's try this. And uh, I think that's really where we're at. We're still kind of experimenting, like, what will work. And I really appreciate Sharon Miracle being with us, the president and CEO of the Yakima Valley Community Foundation. Uh, just an incredible community. If you've never been um, out to the Yakima Valley, uh, you need to check it out. You need to go out there. So many great folks out there. And, of course, there's incredible restaurants, a lot to do. The, uh, the out, you know, with spring and summer coming, the outdoor activities are uh, tremendous. So 
you, it's really a hidden gem here in the state of Washington. You got to, you got to check it out. And, you know, Sharon, you know, one of the things, um, that is also unique and that is going on. We'd love to talk about is this concept of journalism and, and, you know, where we're at with independent journalism and, and there's some pretty cool things going on across the state and in particular in Yakima. Tell, Tell us about that. Yeah, so one of the things, and, and if folks are uh, an avid newspaper reader, they might have seen it on 60 Minutes just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, local journalism and journalism as a whole um, across our nation and even globally is at huge risk for uh, disappearing. And like, so how does news get created? Um, local journalism is critical to uh, a community. So how do you even know what's going on? How do you know if your government, your local government's corrupt or they're representing your best interest? Those in-depth reporting pieces come from actual journalists, not community members, but from journalists not only are trained to do that, but actually carry um, the onus and the responsibility and the liability um, and liable insurance to be able to fairly and deeply accurately report on things that are really important to us in our community like many places uh, across Washington state, uh, this thing came to light a couple years ago that we were unaware of, which was that we had a disproportionate number of missing and murdered indigenous people from the Yakima reservation, Um, more than 35. I mean, it's just incredible. No one even knew Mm -hmm. that was going on. And our local journalist um, got a hold of that. We actually funded it to say, please don't stop reporting. We'll, We'll fund a website. We'll do whatever you need to do. And it, was, it wasn't just important to our, our Yakima Nation folks. Um, when you have that level of concern or safety for young women in particular in our community, and it's going unchecked and undetected, like, what's wrong? How can we put resources to this? So we're just going to keep shining a light on that issue, but also other issues that are really important, like healthcare access for us. In, uh, in rural America, you know, we're facing... Uh, access to healthcare issues as hospitals close and our challenges are challenged. You know, how do we, um, how do we put some perspective on that? What's going on in your healthcare system? So those are really important kind of stories. And we were approached it's been almost a year ago by Microsoft. And they said, we love the idea of trying to, to set up a pilot project in communities like, like Yakima, where there might be a big newspaper in the same state, like the Seattle times is to us. And could we do something to save local journalism where the real meat, the real heart of America, uh, those stories come from and are told and that are actually used on Microsoft platforms across the nation? So we, they funded us. We set about um, bringing together not just our local paper, but other um, news sources like Radio Cadena, our Spanish, space, Spanish station, uh, El Sol, which is our Spanish newspaper. And we do some, we did some training. We did some free technology for those folks through Microsoft. And now we're actually funding free news. And what that means is we want local news that's accessible in English and Spanish to our community, that essential news that helps people stay engaged, to know what's going on, to be informed citizens so they can take action when it's necessary and hold people accountable when it's necessary. It's all about protecting democracy but also about protecting our community. So um, we're funding local journalism now to do just that. Oh, wow. I love that. It's a complicated complicated system, but it's it's exciting. So, yeah. 
Tell us more about the first story that broke regarding the the indigenous, um, you know, the 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 graves that were found. I mean, t- talk to us about that because that I mean that is a unbelievable story. Yeah, you know. Um, well, we've got a local um, Native scholar, Emily Washings, who's been doing some historical research. Um, this didn't start, these, um, the situation didn't start just in the last decade. It's been going on for quite some time where folks just go completely missing. They like their family hasn't heard from them. One of the women that we work closely with, her sister, you know, it's been, I can't remember the exact details, but more than 30 years ago, literally went to go visit um, a relative and was never heard from again. And I mean visit a relative across, you know, like two blocks away kind of mode. Uh, unsolved, no resources put to it. Um, and, and it's, you know, so these are tragically brought to light. We direct people to, it's called The Vanished. It's a website. And it's got really in-depth um, details and stories and just a, some tremendous progress. There has been a lot of progress made um, at the federal level and at our state and local level, to having the, uh, the excuse me, the um, authorities work together, the FBI, tribal police, and local sheriffs and things working together to share information. Uh, we just saw, we just testified, I just testified on a bill that was just before the Washington State House on um, an, a new alert system called the Red Alert, which will actually be like a silver or a, um, the childhood alerts that go up um, Amber alerts that it's actually going to alert when there is someone missing. That's um, so information can be start being shared immediately across all the different channels. Um, so some some really amazing stuff coming out of that. But I direct people to go to visit the www.thevanish website. It's hosted by the Yakima Herald Republic Deep Repository. We now have film crews in town doing some work on this on this issue. Uh, bringing it to light even more and telling people's stories. Wow, that I'm just absolutely powerful. And Emily Washines, who who's incredible as well. She she's going to be a part of this summit uh, April 29th, and and uh, I'm sure she'll share a little bit more about that. But I mean, Emily is someone who you mentioned her who's doing, I mean, really amazing work on this. Yeah, she's she's actually one of the folks who um, brought it to us. We had a donor, um, somebody, a, a woman in town that I knew, say, hey, Sharon, do you know Emily? And I said, I have met Emily before. And she said, how would you like to meet you for coffee? And I um, said, sure. So I go down to a local coffee shop, uh, and Emily was there, and also a local woman who um, said, Emily wants to do some home, some research on Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women. She's done quite a bit already. But what we found is that um, folks need assistance. Once they've reported someone missing or they need help with the, the um, everything from the coroner's office to union, they didn't know how to navigate systems like our, our structures and our systems. They didn't know what questions to ask or share what, what kind of information or with who or how to coordinate things. And so Emily really became a resource for that. Um, sitting at this at coffee with those two of them, we put together a, a fund. Um, we're calling it Native Women in Action. Emily's in charge of that, but uh, that donor gave me a check for ten thousand dollars and said, "Come back and let me know what else is needed." So Emily took off, and since then, it's been about two years ago, and substantial funding to um, to help with that work and to help um, 
other Native women in action working to solve the MMIW stuff. Wow. Incredible. Sharon, it's been a, just a true joy to have you on the program today. Really appreciate you taking the time and joining us. And if anyone wanted to find out more about your work, where, where can they go? Yeah, visit our website at uh, org uh, for Community Foundation, obviously. And Tim, what an honor. Really appreciate you um, bringing me up and giving me a chance to share our story and, and a little bit about the Yakima Valley, a place that uh, we know and love here. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us, Sharon, and look forward to talking to you soon. Okay. Thanks, Tim. Have a great one. You too. That's Sharon Miracle, President and CEO of the Yakima Valley Community Foundation.